Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator Ben O'Brien. That was the toughest thing I've ever had to do was leave college and, and be freelance from day one. I think I could have learned a lot more if I had gone and started out at the bottom, worked my way up and sort of learned from other people who knew what they were doing. You know, I'm a dad, I've got an eight-year-old son, and I don't want to be a dad that's never around. One of the benefits for me of freelancing is that I, I take him to school every day and I pick him up from school every day. And for me, that's one of the, the high points, is being flexible in that way that I can be, be at home all the time for my son. Yes, yeah, so there is Ben, otherwise known as Ben the Illustrator. Guess what he does. But you can find over 100 guests at beingfreelance.com with a load of different job titles, whether in their names or not. And remember, it doesn't matter what they do. It's more about the being freelance. So if you're a graphic designer and you see an episode about a copywriter, don't think it's not for you because it really is. It always astounds me the similarities of the experiences that we all go through as freelancers. It doesn't matter about the job title. Okay. So yeah, get on to wherever you get your podcasts and have a good listen thank you so much if you've been in touch recently with a message or a comment or you've left a review i really appreciate them um lots of people binging on the podcast as they've discovered it recently after it got listed in a few places so yes i'm glad to hear you're enjoying it there's also the vlog the vlog is different because the podcast i chat to freelancers about their life whereas the vlog is unashamedly documenting my life which sounds ridiculous but possibly because it is but anyway that's what i do I film myself on a daily basis. I edit it down each week. And yeah, it's the stuff I'm learning, the stuff I'm struggling with, the stuff I'm having fun with. You can find it all at beingfreelance.com. Of course, go on YouTube as well. And if you enjoy it, leave a comment on there and share it and, and what have you. And make sure you sign up for the newsletter at beingfreelance.com. You can find out where you can see the podcast live this summer if you're in the UK. Uh, also, I'm doing a talk on work-life balance at the Freelance Heroes Day, which is in May. Details online, Freelance Heroes, which is a Facebook community, like over 2,000 members, and they're having a sort of like conference type day with loads of great speakers and then me <laughs> who snuck in because there's a good buffet but if you're going i look forward to seeing you there and if you're not going yet you can get your tickets online yeah if you're in the uk it's uh, i think it's may the 16th but don't quote me on that i just know it's somewhere near my wife's birthday right that's enough waffling let's crack on and say hello to ben the illustrator hey ben hi there thanks for having me on steve the power of branding is that your actual name is Ben O'Brien, but all I've written down anywhere is Ben the Illustrator. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to come to that. But for now, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Well, I've always been freelance, to, to be honest, or self-employed in some way or another since I left college. I studied animation, uh, graduated in 1999, and at the time I was very keen to work in the music industry. So music videos were like at a real high at the time and there was lots of exciting things going on. And so I sort of uh, decided that's, that was for me sort of thing. And I, I started touting myself around to do animated music videos before I finished college when I was about halfway through my final year. And I was making, this is pretty much pre-internet really, uh, I was making showreels on videos and I was taking them around to people, dropping them through letterboxes, taking them to record labels and... Um, sort of selling myself already, I guess. 
Um, and I kind of got lucky. Um, around the time I graduated, I got asked to do my first music video, which was kind of a, a low-budget thing, quite a DIY, lo-fi sort of production. But it was, it was fun, and it was a good learning experience for me to just get started. So I came out of college and just started working straight away from there, really, naively, sort of, with no business experience or anything, set myself up as a as a as a freelancer, and uh, and got on with it really. And then um, I did the first couple of years. I was doing music videos, and then I started to collaborate with a few other people uh, on different animation projects. And we ended up forming a, a an animation studio. With it was just the three of us, but we had like a a kind of a community of freelancers that worked with us. Because I was up at a point doing music videos where I couldn't do any more. On my own, I sort of had to be working in collaboration with people, and so we formed a studio and we did all sorts of things. We, and it, this was when internet was really starting to kick off, so we we sort of learnt Flash software and we started doing web animations, and we did some TV work. We did a series for CBDs and all sorts of other things. We were doing some web design and and other bits of artwork and stuff. We were doing artwork for T-shirts and and whatever else because it was quite early two thousands. This is and. Um, there was kind of a lot going on. We were in London at the time and it was very exciting. There was always something going on and we found a lot of kind of new opportunities to get our work out there and, and to pull in, you know, work to be done. And then I was doing that for three or four years. I think we had the studio, maybe less. And um, I had been doing some illustration work on the side and I sort of started to realise that the illustration work was where where my real sort of passion was. It wasn't necessarily the animation because the animation we had like massive production processes and you know, a single project that could last nine months. Um, and, and I was doing a lot of coordinating and producing and dealing with freelancers. And it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. I only really cared about how things looked, doing the creative work. So I, having done the illustration work on the side and realising that was kind of, I guess, my calling, I left the studio, well, we disbanded the studio and I became Ben the Illustrator. Because because when I was at the studio, I, I felt like I had a lot of jobs, a lot of um tasks that I had to do so some days I was a producer some days I was a creative director and I sort of wanted to simplify everything and I just wanted to be the illustrator um, and hence the name and I thought it kind of it could work as a as a brand as a kind of a little selling point and so I just went ahead with that and that was 2005 I think and it's been like that ever since so I'm still illustrating now still freelancing and still getting on with it I'm still enjoying it Wow, that's so cool. There's so much to kind of unpick there. First of all, how did you meet the other people that you formed for studio with? And how did you know like that that was the right thing to do? Well, the three of us at the core of it, one, uh, there was one guy that I was actually at college with, and we'd sort of kept in touch through other people. And he had studied animation as well, but he'd gone into web design having left college. And sort of, you know, found found some some real skills and talents in that area. And the other guy I'd worked with on a music video project, I think, and he was editing it, as far as I remember. And um, we had a lot of things in common, but we also had quite different roles. The things that we wanted to be doing were quite different, so we weren't going to be stepping on each other's toes. So um, we sort of knew it would it would be a tidy little team, I think. And. As you then sort of disbanded that and moved into just being solo again, was there anything that you had kind of learned over that period that you kind of took away from it, maybe business-wise or client-wise? Uh, yeah, I think I had. I, because starting up straight away from leaving college, it's, it's fun and what have you, but it's not the best business decision because, you know, I suddenly had no idea, like, how am I really going to make money out of this? But re- working as a studio, I sort of I'd come to learn how to do the business side a little bit more and to ensure there's always work 
and to understand cash flow and accounting and everything else a lot better. So then when I went solo again, I was in a much better position to kind of manage my business, but also be doing the creative work that I wanted to be doing. And you just didn't enjoy sort of like managing the people, kind of chopping and changing roles. Has it worked out or do you still find that actually, you know, you, you still have lots of things to manage? Well, there is always something to manage, but I, I, I get a far more hours doing creative work now than I did then. There's always something to manage, self-promotion or, you know, bookkeeping or, or, or whatever it might be. But um, the more creative work I'm doing, the happier I am. So generally it's better. And as far as the studio went, were you literally kind of like in a studio? Did you all like hire a premises and work together? Yeah, we took a, a premises in where were we in South London. Uh, I forgot what it's called. It's called the Biscuit Factory or something. They used to make twiglets there. And, um, <laughs> and it's now lots of little workshops and there's a big TV studio there. And um, yeah, so we took the premises there um, for a long time, actually, for maybe for a year or two. We, we weren't in the premises. I think we were in there for about two years, but we'd been to get working together in one way or another for a year or two before that, um, separately, where we were all, I think, essentially, we were all just working from home. And is that what you do? Do you work from home now? I do, yeah. Do you ever miss that thing of having other people around you at all? Uh, I do, but I'm kind of um, I'm kind of an introvert, so I, I function better on my own in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I know that I need to um, I need to get out and I need to speak to people and and you know chat to people whenever I can. But when it comes to actually getting my work done, I think I'm better off on my own. To be honest, in in my own space where I'm kind of free to 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 work as I need to. Yeah. So let's go back to when you left the studio and you became Ben the Illustrator. How did you go about finding those first clients? To be honest, I think I just did everything and anything. I I was emailing people. I was sort of sending postcards out to people, knocking on doors. Um, I was kind of lucky. I mean, because through working in the studio, I already had some contacts. And so there were some clients that I sort of could take with me, if you like, and carry on working with. There was an ad agency in London that, as a studio, I'd worked for for maybe three months in in house at the ad agency, but representing this our animation studio. And when I left, and I said to them, "I'm not part of an animation studio anymore, but I am st- still illustrating," and so they were kind of keen to to keep me on as a contact, and and I carried on working for them for a little while. And also, I was then because I was solo, I was in a position to get work from other animation or design studios, who I guess previously had been, you know, our our competition or whatever. But then I was at a point where I could get in touch with them, say, I'm available, I'm here if you need anything, um, and, and took some freelance work through them. When you've been working cl- so closely with those other guys for, for a few years, like how did you broach the thing of, well, breaking up the band? <laughs> I don't think it was that much that much of a tragedy, I think. I think we got to, but we'd finished a, a big long-term job that we'd been doing for CBBS. And we were all starting to do other things. And I think it was almost like a natural end to what we were doing. It came at a good time. It didn't really disrupt anything. When I left, I don't think I was entirely sure what I wanted to be doing or if I was going to definitely be an illustration for maybe for a few weeks or something. But I sort of took some time away and had some time to myself and kind of thought about what, what is it that I really want to be doing? Because it's not the animation production side of things. It is something else. And that's when I sort of realised that it really was the illustration thing and that that can, can be a full-time job and not just the thing that I've been doing on the side. Yeah. How have you sort of managed it 
finance-wise as far as being a freelancer goes? Well, it's, it's not always easy. I mean, it's all I, it's all I ever know, to be honest, is, is being self-employed. So, you know, there can be ups and downs. And I, I still go through periods now where I can get very worried about the volume of work coming in. Um, but I just keep on working. I do, I do a lot of side projects, which more often than not will bring about client work. They'll, you know, if I've got a week and I've got no work booked in, I'll get on and do something to sort of put out there, to put online or whatever. And uh, and very often this can then lead to to someone seeing it and wanting to commission something similar or, or an old client wanting to get back in touch. So, yeah, it, I, I, I'd never say that it's easy. And, and it's probably the only downside for me of freelancing is not knowing that you've got a regular wage forevermore and just sort of always having it in my mind that I've got to make sure that I'm set for the next month or the next week just to, just to ensure that everything keeps running smoothly. Mm. Obviously, you like working from home. Do you ever sort of travel with work or get to take holidays? Not really, no. I mean, I have sort of travelled with work. I've, uh, I did a week at the BBC in Glasgow on a project and a few other things. And I like to get out to meetings. Sort of, We're not far from Bristol and there's a lot going on in Bristol. We have, I have a lot of clients in Bristol, so it's always nice to go up there sort of thing. But it's not really a major part part of the job i think i'd like to travel a lot more um but at the same time i don't you know i'm a dad i've got an eight-year-old son and i don't want to be a dad that's never around i like one of the benefits for me of freelancing is that i i take him to school every day and i pick him up from school every day um because my wife my wife works different hours and she can't do that and for me that's you know that's one of the the high points of being a freelancer is being being flexible in that way that i can be, be at home all the time for my son that's that's one bit of work-life balance nailed then. <laughs> Does the work seep outside of those hours? Because obviously when they're at school, that's like five, six hours. I do a, a similar thing. So yeah, how about the time around that? I don't want to work every hour anyway, um, to, as much as I love it. Um, I think I do better work when I'm not completely, completely exhausted. So sometimes I will wake up at 5am and I can do a couple of hours then. I read a really good article, which... I keep telling people about it and annoyingly I can't remember who wrote it but there's a researcher in the, in the States and he uh, he only works for three hours every morning but he works from four till seven or something because he can't be interrupted and he finds his mind works in a certain way that he's he can focus completely focused during that time and I sort of found that I can do a similar thing where if I've got lots of little jobs to do I wouldn't do them at that time but if I ju- if I'm literally just drawing or just illustrating on the computer then I can get as much done between 5 and 7 a.m. as I would do, I don't know, four or five hours during the day. So so quite often I do this little early session from 5 to 7. Um, after I pick my son up from school, if my wife's home, then I might come upstairs and do an hour. But if she's not, then I'll, I'll just spend my time with him. There's always other things I can do. I can pick up emails at any time and, and that kind of thing. But I don't really want to be sort of chained to my desk when, when my son's at home. So I just try and manage myself as efficiently as possible so I get everything done during the day, which generally seems to work. It seems to be going okay. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. Obviously, you're down in Somerset, which, listening around the world, is quite a way from London and is much more kind of like rural and lovely. So I'm just intrigued as to whether, well, yeah, at what point that change ha- happened. That was 2007, I think. So I'd been illustrator for a couple of years. I met my wife, or then girlfriend. She's from Melbourne. She came over to London, and we were both 
at a point, because we just met and I think everything felt very exciting, we were at a point where we were both sort of um, a bit tired of cities or the city life sort of thing. So we were both just, we both just turned 30, I think, at the time. And so we quite abruptly sort of ran away and we, went, we actually ended up in Cornwall, so quite remote, down by the sea. And um, we lived in Cornwall for four years, which was amazing. It was an amazing experience with us both being from cities originally um, and having spent however many years in the cities before before we left. We went to Cornwall and it was amazing to be by the sea. It's a beautiful place, but it was kind of after a while. And then, then we had our son and we realised it was sort of too remote and we missed city life. We missed being around people, our families and our friends. And so then we sort of found a, quite an exciting little town in Somerset, but it meant that we could be near our friends in Bristol and Bath and we can get up to London not too not too difficultly for weekends and so we settled here um I'm not sure if we're, we've been here for five years or so now um I think we still both yearned to be back in a city um but for now we're in a nice place for for Woody our son to grow up so uh, yeah we'll see how long we'll be here for yeah and so are most of your clients remote then oh yeah absolutely pretty much everybody um, I have a lot of clients in the States, um, a lot in London and wherever else. Because, and actually, the last year I was in London, I saw I was working from a studio in East London and um, it was great and work was going really well. And then I had this odd realisation that even though most of my clients were in London, I hadn't been to a meet or I'd been to maybe one meeting in a year <laughs> and everything had just been done online or on the phone. And so I sort of realised I don't have to be in London anymore um, if I don't want to be. And, and at the time, I sort of wanted a break from it. And, you know, we'd all sort of got to a point where everything was online at this point and everyone could communicate online and it was all easy and natural. And um, and we didn't have to be going to meetings or sending everything by courier anymore. And it was just kind of a good time, I think, to, to get out and, and try living somewhere else. Yeah. So how has finding those clients changed over time? Because obviously you were very much knocking on doors and sending cold emails and there was the residual effect from the studio. And so how's how's all of that changed? Well, the main thing, there's just so much more. There's so many more options now. Um, you have to make sure, you know, you're not wasting time with too many you know, options. But um, I love doing my self-promo. I kind of feel like if you, if you have a creative job, then your self-promotion sort of it's not just about showing people your work, but it's almost showing people how you can promote yourself. So if if I do, do something that's a really good idea for promotion, then it's going to get noticed by people in the advertising industry because it's all it's the same thing. If I can sell myself, then maybe I can help sell a client. And so, you know, it pays to kind of have some original ideas now again, now and again, or 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 even just getting yourself out there to the point that you're sort of unavoidable, that everyone will stumble across your work in some way. So do you find that a lot of your clients are searching the various social sites looking for people like you then? I think they were. I think I think people were up to a few years ago, but I feel that social media, Instagram especially actually, hasn't become as useful for pr- promoting yourself as um, as it was a few years ago. I, I still use it and I do enjoy it, but I don't feel the benefits of it as much anymore. Um, it may be different for other people, obviously, but personally, it's not It's not doing a huge amount for me at the moment. Um, there's a couple of portfolio sites that I have portfolios on that I feel are kind of targeting the right people because, you know, there's however many people, there's a billion people on Instagram, but 
you know, percentage-wise, not many of them are going to commission illustration work. Whereas if I get onto the right portfolio sites, then, you know, there's art directors looking at it, there's magazine editors looking at it, there's all sorts of people that are the right people. And I think you have to, if you're promoting yourself online, you've got to make sure that you're targeting the right people and not just maybe the general public if you're looking for a job that the general public can't help you with. Yeah. By the way, everyone, you've got to go and take a look at Ben's work because it's it's just it will cheer you up. It can't fail to put a smile on your face. But one thing that you'll notice when you link through from beingfreelance.com to Ben's work is you've you've got a pretty distinctive style. And I'm just wondering, have you always done that? And it's almost like having a niche in, in that you've got a, a very distinctive style and whether that helps you. Yeah, I think it does. If I look at my work from 10, 12 years ago, it's, it's not massively different. It's, the, it's still what's called vector illustration. It's kind of clean and graphic, but it has evolved and it's kind of, I'd like to think, got better. Maybe it's more refined. I, can, I sort of understand how to make things simpler sometimes to kind of get a point across or to tell a story or what have you in a much simpler way. I think that's come through experience. Um, but for me, it helps to have a specific style that people know they know what they're going to get and, and that will remember it. Um, but at the same time, you need to have a style that's sort of flexible. I don't think you can't only depict one thing. If you can only do dogs, then that's going to limit how many commissions you might get. But if you've got a style that is brilliant for all animals, perhaps, then there's a lot more chance of you getting work. So I think no, no one has to necessarily illustrate everything. But for me, there's certain kind of things that I like to illustrate. And so that's sort of what, my port- what I put in my portfolio within that style sort of thing, certain sort of subject matters, sorry, that I like to, to work on. Yeah. The other thing that you'll notice on Ben's site is uh, he has his own store as well, as a lot of illustrators do. Has, has that been important for you? Yeah, 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 it is. It's quite useful to have. You don't have to, but, you know, a few different resources for, for income, basically. Um, and for me, art prints, it, it never outweighs my commercial work but it's always nice to have these things there and to have that that income um sort of on the side you know they always art prints for me generally have come out of side projects or you know having a bit of downtime for a couple of days and thinking well i just want to make a piece of art you know of of a cactus or whatever uh, and then that it can be an art print and i think i've sort of also learned quite a lot technically by doing products and prints because it's just you know, the print process, let's say, isn't necessarily something that I do when with a client. If I work with an ad agency, then there's someone in the agency who's dealing with the printing. And so there's always been a few things that I wouldn't have understood. Um, but through doing prints myself, I've been able to sort of learn technical things, which I, I think help you to un- have a broader sense of what illustration or design is if you're taking things right through to print. And also, I don't know, it's kind of fun. It's nice to, to do a print and then people to buy it. And then you're, you know, you're dealing... Du- directly with you know with the customer it's something very sort of um warm-hearted about doing it i think yeah nice another thing from your site and many people may have seen this on twitter for example especially if they're an illustrator but obviously there's lots more people listening you did an illustrator's survey so what's what's the illustrator survey right so uh started this last year i'm always talking to other illustrators a lot of my friends are illustrators i have friends you know through twitter and what have you that are illustrators and we're always talking about work and we're talking about the ups and downs and i sort of realized that even though i talk to a kind of a variety of people all over the world there's always more people and and you never really get the general consensus because 
if you and your kind of three best friends are having a great week or a bad week, then you're only going to see what's in your little bubble. And I sort of realised that maybe there would be a way of bringing together all the illustrators, but on a on a on a level, if you like. So not not being organised by a design magazine or a university or anything else, but just on our own level within our community. So I thought I'll ask the questions that not necessarily that I wanted an answer to that but the questions that other people ask me about or the things that I see other people querying on you know online or or whatever um so I put together the survey and I I had no idea if it was if anyone would even bother put answering it or whatever um and I put it online and I said okay it's here for illustrators you know fill it in and let's see and it sort of it took almost took on a little life of its own and it you know and it spread really well and People were far more receptive of it than I thought they would be. And people in answering, in looking, reading the questions and answering themselves became quite excited to know people who might feel they're the only one in a certain situation. It's quite good to, you know, it would be good to know if other people are in that situation. And so it was up for just under a month, I think, at the end of last year, beginning of this year. And I had 1,600 or so people answer it. And, um, And the results were amazing, really interesting some great, some not so great. There was a few sort of negative, well, not negative answers, but um, finding out the the percentage of people that have anxiety problems or the number of people that work from home. Um, it was it was it was very interesting and quite enlightening about our community and where we're all at. Yeah, it's first, and then you've created it into like a well, I guess like an infographic results of it so so that you can scroll scroll down and take take a look at those so what was it that stood out for you and did any of that resonate with you well the one i just mentioned was that i forget the exact percentage but um around 80 percent of people have problems with self-confidence or or anxieties uh, that affect their work and and that was huge i was quite staggered by that i mean i have a few problems myself um mental health problems and and they have affected my work over the years but i never thought that many other people could have similar problems and I don't know it's quite sad to find out that so many people feel like that it was also quite reassuring and I think a lot of people sort of started to realize that we should talk about this stuff more because there's a lot of us in the same boat or a lot of us going through the same problems day to day um and and you know so I think people felt some kind of nurture and support from just from knowing that other people have these problems yeah yes yeah, 79% it was how have you dealt with that over the years well, I mean, one thing, like, like I said, I am a bit of an introvert and it, sometimes it helps me to be, to have my own space, to not have to talk to people, to not have to go out, let's say. And I'm not necessarily shutting myself off because that's not healthy, but I know when I need to have a bit of quiet time to myself and, and working from home is a good opportunity for me to do that. But at the same time, I also have to sort of kick myself sometimes and say, you know, tell myself to, to get outside and talk to someone. Um I've generally dealt with it. I think, okay, I mean, work in a funny way has always helped. Because I do digital illustration, this might not this might not make sense, but I find it really satisfying, quite, it's quite therapeutic to do it, to do the vector artwork. Um, so creating the shapes and colours, and I do everything very clean. And, and so for me, it's, it's quite meditative and it's quite therapeutic to be the actual process of doing it. And so I sort of know sometimes if I'm, not feeling great or I feel feel a bit sluggish or something if I give myself something to illustrate then I'll I'll come out the other side feeling a lot better and then also I've got a little bonus illustration done um and so I do turn to my work sort of to, to help me I think it does help sort of thing 
freelancing isn't always the best solution because then you've got you know the issue of your work being unsteady or having to deal with difficult people you know maybe late paying clients that kind of thing um and that kind of thing isn't great for mental health obviously overall you feel like it weighs in the positive i do yeah yeah I, i'm i can't say that it would be the same for everybody obviously but for me personally i i, I feel like it i feel like it is beneficial for me to be freelance to, to help with that side of things yeah one of your other questions was about creative and business goals are you somebody who sets yourself goals yeah absolutely um i nearly always start the year with some kind of a plan a bit of a refresh think what i want to do this year what i want to do differently um i might go through and sort of um sort out my portfolio a little bit take off projects that i don't want to be out there anymore and you know look ahead to what i really want to be doing each year um, I don't necessarily have business goals in the same way like businesses do with kind of financial targets and that kind of thing, because I don't necessarily know. I'm not a salesman. I don't know how to hit a target like that. There's kind of sums of money that I know that, you know, is the amount of money I need to be sustainable. But I don't necessarily set business targets like that. And because I'm never at a point where I don't have employees, I'm not kind of looking to grow my business necessarily into you know, owning shops or anything else like that. So I don't necessarily have business plans like that, but I do have creative plans and, and targets. Um, sometimes there's certain things that I just, I'd like to be illustrating a lot more of um, content wise. And sometimes there's kind of types of projects that I'd like to get into. And quite often at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to think, right, do I want to do, do I, do I want to work with some animators this year or do I want to work on some products this year? And then sort of find a way to, to go about achieving those things. How do you stay focused on those sort of things when it's you who's driving it rather than when you were back in the studio and there was a few of you? I'm not sure, to be honest. I just do. I just, I, I try, try and keep everything quite simple as far as business. I have a piece, at the moment, I have a big piece of paper stuck on the wall by my desk and it just says, hell yeah, do this. Illustrate cafes, interiors and animals. <laughs> um, and that's basically my three... The three things I'd really like to illustrate more of this year. And, and it's there, you know, if I put it in big writing, print it and, and stick it in front of my desk, then I can't avoid it. I see it every day. And, you know, I might change it. I might think, oh, actually, you know, if I've just, you know, I might, you know, maybe I don't want to illustrate so many cafes, you know, but I might think of something else that I do want to do more of. My main thing this year, I, I want to do more um, travel related illustrations. So it was quite good when I sort of thought, you know, what do I really enjoy illustrating? It's generally travel and play, you know, hotels or restaurants elsewhere when we've been on holiday and stuff. I'll, not, I'll always have my sketchbook and I'll do a quick sketch and then I come home and do colour illustrations of things. And so this year I've kind of said, OK, travel. And it, it's good because it, if you think of something like that, an industry you want to work in, then it pushes you to find more potential clients. Um, so I was thinking, right, so, you know, what travel magazines are there? And there's a couple that I've worked for and I, I keep in contact with, but then I've never necessarily gone out and looked for other travel travel magazines or marketing agencies that work in the travel industry or anything like that. So kind of picking a kind of an industry or a, a, a type of content that you want to make more of, it does push you to go out and seek more potential clients that you, maybe you wouldn't have if you were just thinking, well, I just want any work. Then, you you know, there's no, you don't know which direction to go in. Yeah, that's great. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me, Ben? Okay, so in 1985, 
I won a Blue Peter badge for a Natural History Museum poster. I once went to a house party with Woody Harrelson and I used to work under two aliases um, and at one point was working with the same client under both names and they never found out. Oh, these are these are good. So Blue Peter, if you're not from Britain, is this kids TV show. I mean, it's an institution in this country and they would often have competitions. Everybody coveted the Blue Peter badge. So what was your natural history poster? It was a picture of the Natural History Museum, like the, the frontage, you know, it's quite a grand building. Um, but with, I'm trying to think of the name of the dinosaur, I think it's a brontosaurus, a brontosaurus lying down around it, if that makes sense, sort of as if he was sort of sleeping with it, kind of cuddling up to the museum. Oh, now that is good. Unless, of course, you've just made that up off the top of your head. It's a very ornate building, isn't it? Hmm. Woody Harrelson party. I mean, how come you end up at a party with Woody Harrelson? I was with a friend and we were, we'd been to a gig, we were in London and um, we were literally, we were walking home and then we saw another friend at a bus stop and he said, I'm going to a party, it's just up the road. And we were like, we said, oh, we'll, we'll come along. And it's a fairly, you know, what you consider to be a normal house party. Uh, and we, we walked in and there was a lot of people and there was a DJ and it was really great. And then it was during the summer and we went out to the back garden and some of the guys at the party were having a little, a little kick around with the football um, and Woody Harrelson was there playing football with everyone else. And you had two aliases. What were your aliases? Well, Ben the Illustrator was one, and the other was uh, Twisted 50s, which was a kind of a vintage, it was like a tongue-in-cheek 1950s vintage style. And and so a client just contacted Twisted 50s, and you already knew them? Yeah, I was working with them. It was an agency in New York, and um, I was already working with them on, on a, an ad campaign, um, and then another art director who sits a few desks along from the person I was working with contacted me about doing another uh, doing a, an ad campaign. I think it was for Smirnoff as Twisted 50s. I had different email addresses, very different websites. And I worked with the two of them concurrently for about a month. Ultimately, when people had to pay you, did you have two separate companies? I didn't know. And I think that's when that's potentially where I had to admit it. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I don't think you had two aliases you think that's the lie yeah no it's not that was true <gasps> not for natural history blue peter badge it is that yeah oh but... <laughs> the tragedy did you did you ever do that drawing but do, do you know what? i think i did um I, I think i did it for a school thing i have a memory of that drawing which is why it came to mind but i know i entered a lot of blue peter competitions i never won any of them and i used to i took it quite personally because even even then, when I was, well, I don't know, eight or nine, I sort of knew I wanted to be some kind of, I did, I'd probably never heard of an illustrator as a trade, but I knew that I wanted to be some kind of artist. And so, you know, not coming first in the Blue Peter competitions was, was, was quite hard to deal with, I think, every time. S send one in now. Use one of your many aliases and um, yeah. <laughs> send, send one in now. Ben, thank you so much. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think I think it would probably be not to go freelance from day one. To be honest, that was the toughest thing I've ever had to do was leave college, and and be freelance from day one. I think I could have learnt a lot more if I had gone and started out at the bottom in in a you know design studio or an animation studio and worked my way up, and sort of learnt from other people who knew what they were doing. In in the long run, I'm glad I did it, but I wouldn't recommend that everyone do it like that. I think it it's installed a kind of a 
a toughness in me, I think, and, and an, an idea of how to get things done yourself. And I, I sort of like the sort of renegade nature of being freelance, but I think if you were, if someone was starting out, and I tell this to students quite often, I think if you want to be an illustrator and you want to be freelance, maybe to start that on the side of, of, a, of a job in a studio, because I think it could have helped me and it could have moved things along quicker for me, I think. Ben, thank you so much. Make sure you go to beingfreelance.com and follow the links through to what Ben's up to. You'll find all his social links as well. And uh, you can read the Illustrator survey in more depth, of course. So that's beingfreelance.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter. Check out the vlog where I document my freelance week and, of course, all of the other guests as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. And if you know someone who would like this, just like everybody shared the Illustrator survey, share this too. Like, Put it out there so that it can uh, help as many people as possible. But Ben, thanks so much really nice talking to you and all the best being freelance yeah thanks a lot thanks so much for having me on steve it's been great